happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright side ah it's happening here shit we didn't want it to we were like ah it shouldn't happen here that would be bad but now it is and i'm robert evans this is the podcast about how things are kind of falling apart and maybe it would be good if they didn't fall apart or at least if while they were falling apart we did something that was better than the thing that fell apart anyway hi everybody this is a podcast I'm Robert Evans. As you can note from this horrible introduction, which was was incompetently done, uh, half-assedly done, uh, subsequent weeks of the show are going to be very different from the first week. We started off with five very scripted episodes. My vision kind of at the start of this was that first week of this, the first five episodes would be evergreen, so that when we have new people over the coming months and years, we can say, hey, if you want to know what we're about, listen to episodes one through five. It lays out our philosophy, what this show is, kind of gives you the background. We think you need to understand where we are in the world right now. Um, But of course, this is a daily show. I'm not going to be writing a 10,000-word script every single day, because that would uh, literally be writing a novel length uh, work every week, and that would sl- very quickly drive me to drink. And also, I don't think would be as interesting as trying to be nimble. Um, so this week, we're going to try to give you kind of an idea of what most of the weeks of the show will be like. It's going to be a mix of kind of breaking news, coverage of some ongoing stories, speculation, interviews. Um, so uh, with I don't know, probably a little bit of further ado. I would like to introduce, I would like to start this, this episode, this show, this beautiful thing uh, or terrible thing, whatever it winds up being, either beautiful or terrible, by introducing my team, the people who actually do the most of the work on this while I extract their surplus value and turn it into fancy liquors. Uh, First off is Sophie Lichterman. Uh, Sophie, you exist. Hi, apparently. Hey. What's yeah, up? you're my executive producer. It's your job to make sure that I do things like turn on my computer. 
mm-hmm. um, and that we have guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is Garrison Davis. Garrison, what what are you? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I I read books and articles and occasionally go to places to learn about different resistance movements. I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we actually sent you out uh, to an Earth First gathering. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to have some episodes about your experiences there in the very near future, and I'm excited for that. Um, we also sent you to a Waffle House uh, where yeah. you saw a guy get stabbed. So really, it's been quite a week <laughs> of journalism for you. Yep, and uh, there will also there will also be some content around that trip in the near future as well. I got to mm-hmm. talk to some other uh, mm-hmm. other researchers about yeah. climate change and um, how that affects extremism. And look forward to Garrison's three-parter, Fear and Loathing in the Waffle House in South Carolina in the very near future. I'm excited for that quite a bit myself. Uh, And then last but certainly not least, we have Christopher Ann. Christopher, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Well, okay. I I say I'm doing pretty good. I've I've just, you know, I am also a researcher. And being a researcher means I've just come off of about six hours of reading about Mm -hmm. Japanese war crimes. So that's what I do. Kind of by definition, no one on this team is ever doing all that well, uh, which is which is the job. Christopher, uh, you are probably most prominently to people who use Twitter, the ice must be destroyed guy on Twitter. Uh, and I became aware of you because of your incredibly well-researched uh, threads, um, particularly focusing on the history of revolutionary movements, anarchist movements, and inclu- mainly in like Southeast and, and, and mainland Asia. Uh, which is not a, a, a history, uh, political or or cultural that I knew much about, um, and so we brought you on to behind the bastards um, to fill out for the fact that I am not capable of, for example, doing a Mousy Dung episode with any sort of competence. <laughs> um, and you've done a lot of great stuff there, and you will be you you are a a, a, a history of particularly like left wing political movements knower. Um, in a way that I can never be. Um, and I have a great deal of admiration for your ability to do that research. So you will be helpful uh, when when I say, wouldn't it be neat if someone had done this? And you say, actually, they did. And here's how many people died. And I say, oh, damn. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> Chris, what are you reading about this week? Yeah, this this week, yeah, this is, this is, the, this is the, the Japanese war crimes deep dive. This is, mm-hmm. yeah, it's mostly been forced labor... I made an executive decision that I was not going to start reading about uh, comfort women and that particular kind of Japanese war crimes uh, one hour before this podcast started. But oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <laughs> oh man, that's the good. That's the good war crimes right there. Um, I I don't know. I, I I've spent like when it comes to uh, military history, I definitely have spent less time in the Pacific theater than I have, uh, in the Western theater, but my God, like some of the unit 731 shit is just among the darkest stories in history, but that's not what this podcast is about. So guys, I brought everyone here today, uh, because number one, I wanted to introduce the audience to the team. And number two, I kind of wanted to ask a big question, um, which is, you know, we had our first week where I sort of laid out the scope of the problems confronting everybody, uh, climate change, um, the the rising authoritarian movements around the globe, um, the danger of weaponized unreality and kind of the, the fundamentally separate reality tunnels that people are getting increasingly trapped in that make peaceful coexistence almost impossible. Um, and we attempted in, uh, in that first week of shows to provide people with some reasons for hope, with some paths forward. Um, I am, despite it all, 
uh, not black pilled, uh, and and our goal is to avoid being a black pilled podcast. Garrison, you want to explain to the nice people what black pilled means? All right. Um, so <laughs> I think followers of of you and us as, in a whole are probably familiar with pill culture of the God, of coming. <laughs> Coming, coming from the Matrix, the term red pill got used a lot by the far right, especially during Gamergate, to be like introducing a new idea to someone as pilling someone. If you're, and, if, and if you're getting someone to become like a conservative or, far, or like an alt-right person, you're red pilling them. Um, so that, that was what got popular. And then beca- that became like a much more viral meme and pill was just got to be used on various, various other ideologies and even just like things so if i'm drinking coffee i'm taking my coffee pill etc bad jokes by people who don't have much better things to do um but black pill is like uh is like a doomer pill or like a nihilism pill it's like not being able to see hope for the future everything is like just like a void you don't be able to see you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel um so that's kind of what black pill means when it's used like online um generally it's 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 People who are making like propaganda or making content, who are uh, or or just like you know people like on forums, ch- chat rooms and stuff, who are trying to get other people to become this kind of dysfunctional nihilist um, and not be able to like really see any any future. Um, and the, the the you know there's a lot of issues with this, but particularly it comes from kind of a very like privileged place in a, in a, in, a, in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because the people who are you know seeped in this are not going to be the ones facing the worst consequences of climate change or, you know, localized collapses. Um, so that is, that's kind of the, the problem with this whole black pilling thing. And it's, it's becoming increasingly popular online. Yeah, and I, I've seen a lot of this. So obviously, um, I, I spend some time on the, the collapse subreddit because it's a good information aggregator. Um, and I have some fans there. So they've been commenting on the first week of shows. And one person was like, I, I think that he's he always understates the damage, like how serious climate change is going to be and sort of made the point that like basically we're all going to die. Um, and that's that's not that's not uh, going to happen. That's not the situation. Number one. Nope. Um, have you heard if you all heard of the Toba catastrophe? No, it's an interesting thing. I, I just got informed about this and have been doing a little bit of reading. It was a super volcanic eruption that occurred about 75,000 years ago. Um, in Sum- like what is present day Sumatra, Indonesia. It's one of the largest explosive eruptions in world history. Um, and there's a theory, and this is so this is, you know, obviously too far, too long ago for yeah, us to yeah. have hard evidence, but there's a theory that this caused a global like volcanic winter that lasted as long as a decade and may have caused a thousand year long cooling episode. And this is, y'all may have heard that there are a number of scientists who think that about 70,000 years ago, there was a massive population bottleneck where the global yeah. human population was reduced to an incredibly tiny number, which is why like everyone can kind of trace their lineage back to one of a very small number of people. And kind of the theory is that the Toba explosion caused that bottleneck. It was just so devastating to life on Earth that like it caused, or to, specifically to human life, that it it reduced the global human population down to a very tiny number. Um, but also... If that's true, we we did make it. It was seventy five thousand years ago. Like we're doing all right, which is not to say like when I say we're doing all right, I mean the human species exists in sufficient number to maintain biodiversity, right? Yeah, I think people underestimate 
how many people are alive right now. Yeah, and how (laughs) adaptable our species is. And that doesn't mean the problem is not nightmarishly severe because- um, It is. the, The question is, number one, how miserable is life going to be? How many, we could still, human beings could exist in- completely sufficient numbers for the maintenance of the population and billions of people could still die as a result of climate change. And that's a problem. Like that's a, that's a real (laughs) issue, but it is also not, um, it's not a a guarantee that that many people will die, that we will let it get that bad. It is at this point, a guarantee essentially based on all the best data we have that we're going to hit one and a half degrees. Um, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And almost certainly two degrees, just kind of based on where things are politically now. Three degrees, four degrees is not a guarantee and can be stopped. Um, it is an uphill battle. Uh, and, and But also, because we are talking about not just billions of human lives, but hundreds, if, or if not thousands of species around the planet, um, depend on us curbing emissions uh, and us reversing, to the extent that that's possible, as much of the damage as we can. Um, and I, I think it is kind of the height of uh, selfishness to just look at the scale of the problem and go, well, we're doomed. So don't try to do anything. (laughs) Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, like, ever since that climate report came out, there's been two narratives online that I've seen quite a bit, Mm -hmm. which is, does individual impact matter? And what will the quality of life be? These mm-hmm. are these are both impossible to questions to answer. I mean, the the, the, the first one's, the the, fir- the first one's a little bit easier because, like, generally, will individual consumer choices matter? Probably not very much. Um, no, of course not. No, it's not. That's that we can like look at the history of what of how that's been pushed by certain companies. We, yeah. I think lots of people are already familiar with that. Which doesn't mean there's no. And I do want to be clear here when I, when we say your your individual decisions as a consumer are not going to um, fix the problem in any meaningful degree. Learning how to be comfortable and happy with less, learning how to personally emit less, those are all still useful adaptations because part of the story, part of the the solution is how do we fix this? Part of the solution is how do we as individuals and communities adapt to this? And we are going to have to adapt to less. That is going to be a necessity. You can just look at how in a lot of places wheat crops have uh, are 50% lower than the harvest was last year 90% in some regions like Nineveh in Iraq and northeastern Syria um like calamitous underproduction as a result of how bad this summer is that's going to continue to happen we are going to have to deal with less not just because we'll have less available but because if we're trying to take care of our community that might mean even if we can afford to consume at the level we were, we need to personally do more, get by with less, so that we can give more to other people in our community who can't afford anything. There's a, and that's again not going to taking care of the people in your neighborhood. You know, setting up a four block radius where you make sure there's you know free fridges and soup kitchens or whatever isn't going to fix climate change. But community resiliency is an important part of. Building any building the kind of dual power that I think is going to be necessary to fight climate change. It's also just a necessary survival adaptation. And the fact that there are things to do, the fact that there's so much to do, both to solve the problem on a big scale and to take care of the people around us, that all of us have a responsibility to do because we as people are responsible for each other, um, I think means it's immoral to lose hope. Yeah. This is also precisely the wrong moment to do it. Because and and this this is one of you know one of the, one of the reasons I'm excited to be doing this is that I, I don't think generally the broad public has a particularly good understanding of what's been happening the last three years, which is that well and you know you can go back a, a decade right you know so I I like started doing activism stuff around 2013 with the with the, the, the sort of second wave of revolutions from from the Arab Spring, and so you know and and, and over the course of that decade you have. 
you have an increasing series of revolutions and they kind of they kind of peter out and they kind of start to lose around 2014 2015 but then in 2018 they start again and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna read a a partial like enormous emphasis on partial list of places that had either full-scale revolutions or hundreds of thousands or millions of people in the street so okay starting starting from 2018 you have haiti sudan algeria honduras chile iraq Hong Kong, Iran's on their like third version of this. Lebanon's had about three. Colombia's had three. Uh, France had the general strikes. There was also the yellow vest. There's there was there was a six hundred thousand person general strike in Peru. There was the I mean, there's been a bunch of stuff in India with farmers protests. There's been stuff in Ecuador and Papua, Catalonia briefly. And you know there in, in I mean, there's stuff there, like there there were a bunch of road blockades last year in Canada, like Canada, when it went into revolt over a bunch of pipeline. Yeah, stuff, and then you know, and then and then and then there was last summer, and last summer was sort of in, in the U.S., and that that was sort of this 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 capstone of like the second wave of revolutions in that decade, and you know, and the thing like this wave that that, it, that again that's that's a very partial list, and that that sort of wave of upheaval, right? It's it's a sign of both the fact that you know everyone realizes that the world is just crumbling, right, and also that you know people people have sort of started to figure out that like. You know, the, 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 the sort of ordinary political processes don't work. And that if you get enough people together, you can, like, the ordinary political processes cease to function. And, you know, I mean, I, I, people, there's, there's been a, a huge effort to get everyone to forget this last summer. But, you know, people were fighting the Secret Service at the gates of the White House. They sure Like, were. the president, like, <laughs> like Donald he, Trump he, was he, in a He went bunker. into his bunker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... Like, you know, like the, the like you know, the, and you know, for, for for about a week there, the cops completely lost control of most major cities. Like, you know, I, I'm I'm in Chicago, and mm-hmm. in Chicago, oh god, the street yeah, drinking like, in Portland was beautiful. Just teenagers like, smoking cigarettes, walking down the right in front of the police station. <laughs> yeah, it's sorry. <laughs> no, I mean it's incredible. Like, people like mm-hmm. people people like just took control of the like the miracle mile. It was, you know, and you, you, you saw for a very brief moment, just like what, what a world without the police, for example, would look like. Right. And, you know, it was a lot of parties. There's a lot of celebration. There's a lot of people sort of, there's, there's a lot of art everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and I think what, what we've seen over the last three years, what we've seen really over the last decade is that, you know, cycles, of revolutions like this you used to get them once every like three decades, maybe two Right, we got two in a decade, and all the things that caused that, like all the all the things in two thousand eight financial clubs, everything that was bad that caused everyone to go into the streets, is still happening, and they're still getting worse. And so, this is this is going to keep happening. This sort of unrest is going to keep happening, and and our job and our responsibility is to make sure that, you know, the the product of this is actually a better world, because. You know, there, there, there's, there's basically, you know, if, if this, this is the thing you learn if you study history. There, there's all, there's almost always bad things happening. There's almost always resistance to it, and that resistance can win. And I think that's, you know, like that, that, that's the important part of this. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's this. Um, one of the things that you're getting at there is one of the things that I think most toxically the left, particularly in, um, in the West, has. Uh, 
has lost in recent times, which used to be a huge aspect of not just the anarchists left, although it was massive among anarchists, but about the the the, the organized left in general in the West was internationalism. Yeah. Was this idea that like the struggles in Spain, the struggles of, in, in, of workers in Germany and England and uh, in in China in Poland and in Indonesia, we, we are all connected, and like you would have the the magazines that were like, you know, part of these different workers organizations would have stories and experiences from protests and strikes and uprisings all around the world. And there was this, this strong sense of international solidarity. And that has collapsed. And the collapse of it is a long story. I think we should probably do a special on it at some point. Aspects of it started in World War One when there was this big understanding among socialists in World War One that like, well, if push comes to shove and there's a big European war, the workers won't fight, right? We won't, we won't massacre each other. And then they did. Um, because, you know, nationalism's a hell of a drug. There's a lot of, again, we're not doing the topic justice, but but a big part of why it's so thoroughly dead right now is these, this this multinational series of kind of propaganda campaigns orchestrated by a number of different governments, including our own, in order to, you know, in the case of like Russian disinformation propaganda, make all these different left-wing, or all these different kind of populist uprisings and populist movements that are anti-Russian uh, political interests, call them color revolutions. And you see you know the same thing is done by the chinese government and our government does the same thing like yeah. no, it's not a it's not a case of like well we're better or or they're better it's a case of like well all of these governments have a vested interest in people not seeing their interests as in common and their struggle as the same um but people are still struggling and one of the missing ingredients in the last couple of years of increasing as 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 christopher did a great job of laying out of increasingly massive um, sustained uh, revolts against state power and against the global system that is is grinding us all under its boot heel is that um, we did not have as as much of an international kind of solidarity as we as we should have, um, and I think that's going to be necessary if we're going to do. You know, we talk about this in the first week of episodes, um, and you were just talking about a version of this, Chris. I think the only thing that's really the only thing likely to get us out of this without you know, bloodletting on a scale that uh, nobody really wants to think about is the equivalent of a heart attack at the centers of capital, which can only happen when enough people are like, well, I'm just not going to keep doing shit. Like, I'm not going to keep, I'm not going to keep doing the shit that like keeps this system moving forward. Um, because at the end of the day, you can like send cops out to beat people, but you can't make me work. Um, and uh, that could do something. People who are telling you it can't happen or it can't work or it can't be done are, are full of shit. And one of the things I want to cover that we will at some point is how the, um, how the movement in Hong Kong came to a broad consensus about their list of demands. And obviously that is in the process of being crushed, you know, um, in, in the long run there's, and there's, there's certainly criticisms to make, but also they were up against an, an, a, a kind of insurmountable challenge really without any kind of, um, aid from overseas. You know, it, it yeah. was, it was, it was, it was, uh, a noble doomed fight, but there's a lot of lessons, including how this very decentralized movement came to an accordance about a list of demands that that then became internationally recognized as like these are the demands of this movement. Um, and I think there's there's powerful lessons for kind of what's going to be necessary for all of us in 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 that process, um, because uh, I, I think. Hoping to kind of overnight get everyone on board with we have to 
overthrow the government and establish socialism. I just don't see that happening. Um, I, I, uh, we can't get Americans on board with whether or not masks stop a pandemic. Um, yep. But could you get Americans, could you get a, a wide variety of working class people from around the world on board with, you know, uh, uh, a more focused list of things that like they see as like, well, this, this, you know, you can get a lot of people who, if you have them talking about the politicians they support or like how they identify politically, we'll get into screaming arguments. But if you talk about like, boy, it sure seems like we're all getting fucked over by this pretty same small group of rich people. They'll all be like, yeah, I mean, I more or less agree with that. If you say like, hey, it seems like the government's corrupt and shitty and incompetent and never takes care of any of us. They all agree with that. And you can get them, you can, if you focus on, hey, here's what we all need to advocate for together because it will make all of our lives better. I think you'll have an easier time with that than trying to convince somebody who's been educated for 50 years to think socialism is the devil to identify personally as a socialist. And maybe that's a little less important than getting that person to agree that we need to seize the wealth of the billionaire class um, and reinvest it in a world that is sustainable and survivable for all of us. I don't know. That seems like a better shot to me. So I'm not so, an expert though. So I guess a question to ask is what gives each of you hope right now? There's a couple things. I think back to the moment when I was reporting from the steps of the federal courthouse in Portland, two or three nights into things getting really fucking crazy. And I was standing next to this middle-aged mom with a respirator who had gotten tear gassed horribly the night before and come came back out. And we were all yelling at the, or they were all yelling at the federal agents inside. And she said, I don't see why we have to wait out here. Let's kick down the damn door. And then she tried to do it. Um, <laughs> and that, uh, you know, there were some real moments. I think about the, the line, the phalanx of chuds with weapons breaking and running last year um, when enough of the city came out to push them back. Um, I think about... The uh, I think about the fact that um, an unprecedented mutual aid effort was uh, organized by huge numbers of regular people around India to try to fill in the craps, the well cracks and the craps from their their government's complete failure to handle the pandemic earlier this year. Um, I think about. Uh, what people, what activists have been doing in Puerto Rico for years as the U.S. government has consistently failed to deliver any sort of meaningful disaster relief. Um, I think about the fact that while we are all, every single person li listening to this, ruled by venal cowards who think of nothing but their own short-term interests and will kill the world to maintain those interests, um, the vast majority of us would give the shirts off of our back to a neighbor in immediate traumatic need because that's just what people generally do. Yeah, Garrison. Yeah, mutual the the heightened popularity of mutual aid is something that's talked about a lot in terms of what is giving people more hope. And I guess mm -hmm. the other thing is like being able to see, but like both see and experience a lot of like um, quote unquote like mini anarchies. Um, like popping up in different places and getting to like see the world through a different through like a through like a different lens for for even for however briefly you know that, that's part of you know what happened staying at like the stop line three camp part of what happened at like the earth first camp is like you get to like very briefly look at like the world without the same systems of hierarchy that we live in every day 
and it's like almost intoxicating like the way like once you can experience that you're like why can't it always be like this um and getting more people to experience that mini anarchy can will i think help people be more able to like yeah i'll i'll go across the country to help you know do something for this pipeline to help protect a specific forest and then even like like even like locally whenever there's, there's like a you know whether it be like a forest fire in your area a hurricane be like yeah i'm gonna go help with the with the relief effort because one you're making people's lives better and two it actually does feel good like it actually like it being able to being able to work as a person with other people outside the regular systems of hierarchy is super interesting when we're stuck in such like a repetitive cycle of you know of our jobs and of our bills and of all this kind of stuff being able to go outside of that for however brief is 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 a new thing that can get you to really change your outlook on certain things we saw this a bit you know with the temporary autonomous zones popping up um we saw this a bit with like the red house in portland um and like these these things are by no means without flaw like there's a lot of like the same systems of oppression like misogyny um is still like in these spaces a lot um, you know, there's there's still a lot of you know like men who get guns who want to be like the security, which can replicate a lot of police. Like, oh, so, like yeah, the, the, we're gonna things... have to do an episode on protest security, yes, probably absolutely. on the jazz too, and why those two children got fucking murdered. Yeah, so like um, like the, the, these yeah. these mini anarchies are not like the you, it doesn't make all these things go away. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it's actually it's a really good example of these. Uh, even when you get a get rid of certain hierarchies some are still seeped into a lot of people's brains. Like, misogyny is one of them, and having having power over other specific people. Um, so those are all things to address. But being, a, like, you know, at, at the Stop Line 3 camp, that, that was, like, run by um, indigenous and two-spirit women. And that was, like, a very different environment to, than all of, than, like, Red House and the AZs. Um, like Red very- House was an eviction defense in Portland that was extremely successful in its goal, which was to stop the eviction, but also had some problematic elements, people declaring themselves security and like yeah. threatening teenagers with paintball guns over graffiti, like some dumb shit, which doesn't take away from the effective and very powerful aspects of it. But, you know, we should be able to analyze accurately uh, the failures and the successes of, of things that are kind of within our, our wheelhouse of shit we broadly agree with. Otherwise, we're just uh, cheerleading without analysis. Chris? Yeah, I think there's a few things. So there's a there, there, there's a line from uh, an Uruguayan journalist whose name I'm about to butcher. Uh, it's Raul Zibeci, I think. Um, and he he talks about how struggle is like it's like a, it's like a bolt of lightning that sort of illuminates a night sky and what 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 that what that illumination what that bolt of lightning shows you is you know it's it's the previously obscure relation to domination and power and you know it it sh- it shows you all of the things that were sort of hidden before and and I think this is what happened a lot over the summer right i mean you know what one of the things i always think about was that so if if you had told like in, in even you know even in the beginning of 2021 if you had told me that like even 10% of Americans would have supported burning down a police station <laughs> no it's it's impossible right and then you know after it happens the like you know that like burning down the police station had a higher approval rating than both presidential candidates than either presidents yeah yeah <laughs> right and and you know and this is something in you know in 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 that moment right you know the sort of normal public opinion. Everything shifted dramatically, just instantly. I mean, in 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 a matter of a week, everyone went from sort of 
and, you know, I say everyone here, like obviously there's always been people struggling against the police, but it went from, you know, no one, no one in the U S could ever publicly say that they wanted a police station to get burned down without like Fox news personally sticking a mob on them to more than half the country thinks this is good. And, and that, that kind of transformation, the way that it is actually possible for things to change extremely quickly and it's possible for things to get better extremely quickly. And it's possible, it's possible for people's for, for people to get, to, to get used to and yeah. sort of. And, uh, you know, it's worth noting that a huge part of why a plurality of Americans supported burning the third precinct was because a, a single citizen with a camera had the courage to film something that was wrong. And that, that instantly changed a lot of people's minds. Um, people who would not have supported that un- in, if it had just been sort of like, it, if, if that had not been a part of the, of the equation. Um, but because the inhumanity of state violence was, was rendered so stark before them, there was, for most decent people, nothing to do but say, well, yeah, what else were they going to do, you know? Um, and as often as not, like, more than, I think, works of political theory or tracks or newsletters or grand speeches, it is moments like that that galvanize people into changing things, is just seeing something that's like, all right, well, fuck it. We got to, like, we got to fuck some shit up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's less eloquent than the quote you read, but it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kirk. What Chris said was was way more eloquent, but it was yes. prettier. Yeah, yeah. Very pretty. I, I I stole this. I stole this from people who are better at it than I am. But yeah, you know, that's all. Is, <laughs> is part of the process. That's what everybody does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I also I also would say whatever thing, you know, is it like they're like the the the, the control of the state, the control of sort of capitalism, the control of uh, you know, these sort of systems of oppression. It's not total, and it never it never has been, and it probably can't be. There's there's always places where the state, for one reason or another, is either forced to withdraw or has or, you know, decides it doesn't want to be anymore. And, you know, you know, there there's there, there was a good example of this. In well, I mean, you know, partially you can you can look at what's happening in northern Syria, which you know is is its own sort of episode in its own right. But I mean, one one of the sort of yeah, we did a whole show about, on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you know, but but I think like like. The state withdraws, and then you know there's there's sort of organizations there that can actually like take power in a way that's not quite that's not taking power, and then you know subsequently I think I think maybe more importantly is just the the the, the reality of the feminist movement in you know so so the PKK is the the the, the Kurdish yeah uh, is, yeah workers party in in started up in the mountains Turkey. of Turkey yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, used to and, be you know, Maoist is now, you know, Apoist. I guess you'd say, yeah. Yeah, and you know, like they, they, like that. That movement was an incredibly hierarchical movement, and in a lot of ways, it was a very patriarchal movement because it's, you know, oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a classical Marxist Leninist movement, right? They have mm-hmm. they, they you have a great leader, everyone follows the great leader, everything sort of passes down, and and it was mixed in with these kind of very traditional Kurdish militant because Kurds have a long tradition of like kind of militant. Uh, uh, warrior culture, so yeah, incredibly patriarchal in a number of ways. Yeah, yeah, and then, but, in, but then inside of that, like a, a feminist movement emerges, and in a lot of ways they win. Like they're, they're, you know, this this is how you get from this sort of incredibly hierarchical 
uh, institution to one that's significantly more democratic, that's more egalitarian on gender lines. That, that that's how you get all of that is, th- 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 you know, th- there's an internal feminist movement in, inside the PKK and it wins. And and you know, I mean, and part part of that also has to do with Apo, who's the leader of the PKK, sort of mm-hmm. having a sort of ideological come around. But you know, the 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 fact that it is possible to you know, when 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 you when you have a radical movement that is doing a lot of good things in some ways, in some ways is also incredibly flawed. It's possible for it to make it better, and it's also and it's possible for for you know, it's it's possible to mount a consistent fight for patriarchy in in these spaces and win. I think is you know, or I mean, you know, maybe not win, but at least very dramatically change the balance of power. Yeah, it's um, I I think it is incredibly important important to study because it's. It's a case of you have this movement, the, the PKK, that has it, done some really messed up stuff and has some very problematic aspects in its history, but is also effective at doing a number of things, including armed resistance. And you have internally this movement democratized in a lot of ways. You have it, you have it shed a lot of its patriarchal structure while still maintaining its capacity for resistance. And it never stops. There's always been and still are things that the PKK does that that I'm not going to support or defend um, because there's some, although a lot less of them now, and if you're going to kind of compare them to the people they're fighting, I think they're committing less war crimes than the Turkish government at the moment. Um, but it's, it's hopeful because part of what is necessary is, and, and part one of the things I think that people, particularly in the online left, get wrong is just kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater sort of thing. You you get this a lot in the, in the, um, in the the dialogue around U.S. veterans, where there's a chunk of the left that's like, well, they're all war criminals, and fuck everyone who chooses to do that. And it's like, okay, well, you're going to ignore, number one, like, people who are 18 years old, and depending on where they grew up. A simple fact about human beings is that if everyone around you, when you're a child, tells you this is a good thing to do and a moral thing to do, you will probably grow up believing that is a good and a moral thing to do. And some of those people grow up to realize like, oh, you know what? It was actually pretty fucked up. Uh, and and this this is, is bad. And I want to agitate and organize against this thing without wanting to condemn and say like, also, all of my friends are murderers. Because you know what? They, they're, they're not. Um, not in the sense that like every single person there is knowingly massacring civilians. Is everybody enabling uh, structures that kill civilians? Yes, and so are you, and so am I, and so is everybody listening to this. If you pay your taxes, if you um, if you exist in this society, you are enabling. Like you, every time you fill up your fucking gas tank, um, you're you're a part of it. We're all a part of it. Um, and so I think this this I think this the kind of condemnation culture is less effective than this understanding that like if we accept that things are fucked up and we agitate to make them less fucked up, um, you can sometimes accomplish remarkable things within very fl- flawed structures and systems. Um, and I think that's better than, I don't know, trying to just score points over how much you know about how bad things suck. Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. 
obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit tomboyx.com. Claim comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I guess in in conclusion, uh, I think society could be improved somewhat. I think the things that are currently killing people could kill less people. Um, and I think everybody has some responsibility to try and force uh, changes that make the world less violent and horrible. Uh, and if you think the world could be less violent and horrible, um, then then I think we're more or less on the same side. Yeah, Unless think, you think it could be less horrible by murdering all of the Democrats because they're harvesting the adrenochrome of babies, in which case we're not really on the same side. <laughs> to, to, to kind of go full circle to the first thing we talked about with like doom stuff, I think it's important to also remember like, 
we're we're not even we're, we're barely even deciding how we're gonna live going forward. Right now, we're at like at the pivotal point where we're deciding what the Earth is gonna be like in three hundred years. Like we yeah. are, and and I I would like this podcast to also not be anthropocentric. I want it to also focus on like we're just part of this planet, and there's other species and other things that all that are all self reliant on each other to continue going. Um, and we're not just deciding how long someone like you know me is going to live or people you know younger than me it's deciding like we're like we're like we're at the end of the human climate yeah. we are now entering a new age and we're deciding what that's going to be and it can be really really bad or it can be only a little bit bad and we can and we can adapt to that little little, little bit of badness but if it gets really really bad that's going to be very difficult and that's why like we can't not do anything right now because we're deciding yeah. so many important things for centuries and even like millennia to come and that's like the other thing to help us not get stuck in the black pill. Yeah, it, that's an incredibly important point because it is like you we're we're all we're not just deciding like how livable is this how pleasant is the climate going to be for us how livable is it going to be for it's like we're deciding are there going to be iguanas in the future, are we're there going to be tree sloths? Are, are there going have, to be redwoods and salmon? You know, are we going to have <laughs> clouds in one hundred? Will we have clouds in a century? <laughs> um, I hope yes to all of the and like yeah, that is why it is this. Um, the 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 folks who have spent billions of dollars kind of fighting against any effective uh, uh, action against climate change and kind of muddying the issue until it, it was too late to, to stop what's going to be inevitably going to be a very dark scenario already. Um, those people are now pushing the idea that like, well, there's nothing that can be done or there's nothing that like we, we can't, there, none of the actions we take would be worth taking and like whatever, or like there's, there's a variety of different kind of tax they've taken, but they have a vested interest in, the the reaction that I see from a lot of people on the left, it, which is like, well, we're fucked. Just prepare for collapse. Like they, that, they, they win. They, they, they win pacify. if you take yeah. that. Yeah, they, they, they would they, love. They, they love that reaction. Yeah. They're they're finding like the new way, like the old way to pacify people is by saying, no, this isn't real. This isn't a problem. Mm -hmm. The new way to pacify people is saying, this is a huge problem that can't be fixed. And yeah. all they want is for people to be pacified. And we have yeah. to actively resist that because that's the easy thing to do. That's the thing yeah. that makes our brains feel more comfortable. Like we can like we can relax into the doom. Yeah. Right. And we have to actively fight that no. every day because it always infects our brains. And if it affects my brain. Like it it's yeah. you can't you can't escape it. You have to actively fight it. Yeah. The reality is that if we accept doom, uh, we will all burn to death separately. Whereas if we take all of their shit and we lock the worst of them away in a dark hole for trying to kill the planet. Um, and we stop building a society around the poisons that they profit from, then maybe there will be sloths and clouds in a hundred years. Um, do, and that's worth fighting for. <laughs> do it. Do it for the iguanas. Do it for the, do it for the iguanas. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. The, the anthropologist David Graeber wrote something about neoliberalism where he said neoliberalism is it, it's it's not an mm -hmm. engine that produces anything economically. It's an engine that produces despair. That's <sighs> you know that's its sole job. And not only is it its sole job, it will sacrifice its own continued existence to make sure that people can't actually can't not only like can't imagine another future, but are just sort of are 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 so beaten down that you know that the engine of despair consumes them and they do nothing. And you know I, I would say this you know the 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 reason the state cracks down so hard isn't because it's strong; it's because it's weak. 
Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the, 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 the reason the sort of engine of despair has to keep going, why, why they have to keep telling you that it's impossible is because it is. If it were genuinely impossible for us to do anything, they wouldn't have to like, you know, there, there wouldn't be any need for propaganda, right? If, if, they were, if they weren't actually genuinely afraid of the possibility that, you know, we decided not to give into despair and do something. Yep. That's yeah. a, as good a, a note to end on as we're going to find. So uh, don't give in to despair. Do it for the iguanas. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 products and services. You can Shit. follow follow <laughs> can follow you can follow Cool Zone Media on Twitter and Instagram. You can mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're probably already subscribed to it could to it could happen here pod because you're listening to it. But yeah. if you're not, you should probably subscribe to that. You can follow. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can follow. <laughs> you can follow the podcast at Happen Here Pod on Instagram and Twitter too. Yep. Follow the things. Listen to the things that'll yeah. help us keep making more stuff. Godspeed. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Godspeed. <laughs> For the iguanas! Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side side.